0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California.
1: Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
2: What's on my mind this evening is um, the tragedies of uh, this country these last few weeks. And how do we respond? Especially in the in the situation where they're perpetuated by people, it can be a little more difficult. These recent shootings in Buffalo and Uvaldi. Really painful to feel, to be with. And so I thought to just explore a little bit of what do the Buddhist teachings have to offer with something like this. The first um, thing that came to my mind, the first teaching that came to my mind when reflecting on this was um, a quote from the Dhammapada hatred never ceases through hatred through non-hatred alone does it end it's so easy to respond to hatred with hatred you know that's it seems almost like our natural kind of we we tend to mirror what's coming up you know If somebody brings hatred to us, we often respond with that, anger with anger. And so it's it's so easy to respond with hatred. And in a situation like these mass shootings, it's really likely that a variety of emotions will arise, possibly including hatred. Hatred perhaps for the perpetrators, hatred for perhaps people we might feel or sense as participating in systems or structures that supported or created or encouraged those conditions. And yet, and given this teaching, hatred never ends through hatred, we might think that we're supposed to not feel hatred, but that's not, that's not usually what happens. You know, we, we, we have these responses. And so the teachings, while encouraging us to, I think the, the, the teachings encourage us not to act on hatred. But um, the teachings encourages us to open to what is here in this moment, like the, the friend, you know, the friend that I was speaking about in the guided meditation, you know, a really good friend might be able to sit with you while you're really angry, while you're really frustrated, while you're feeling so much. And so the, The wisdom teachings of the Buddha point us to meeting our experience, meeting the feelings that come up around situations like this. And we might think, you know, this is uh, not enough. And um, the Buddha's teachings don't simply, the, the teachings encourage us encourage us to know what's happening in our system so that we can respond from a more skillful place instead of reacting out of our habitual tendencies or reacting out of the, the, the patterns of the deep deeply conditioned um, habitual responses with hatred and hatred, hatred, responding to hatred, deeply conditioned, deeply um, patterned in, in many of us. And so the teachings point us to really get to know what's happening in our system so that we can respond not so that we can just settle back and say oh yes things as they are you know that 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 i think is an often mistaken understanding of the teachings of, of what it means to really meet our experience as it is and so in meeting hatred internally if we if we feel this with with these situations if we feel this kind of response of a constriction of a of a of an anger of a, of a rail of a raging against against the perpetrators against those teenagers really in these two situations two eighteen year old 18 year olds it's tragic tragic for all of the victims people in the market in Buffalo, the children in the school, will be tragic. And if we touch into the experience of hatred, or if, if that's if we're feeling that Getting to know it, meeting it, we feel we feel the we feel the suffering of it ourselves. We feel the pain of feeling hatred. This actually was a kind of a shock for me at one point. I was um, really really angry with a uh, person who had really hurt me in a, in a deep way. And, um, I was exploring the anger that was coming up with that person and began to feel into how painful it was. You know, felt how, how painful it was for me to feel it, but then also felt the, 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 the wanting to lash out, you know, wanting to, um, actually wanting to harm the person, you know, wanting that person to suffer, feeling that wanting that person who had harmed me to feel bad themselves. And yet feeling the, the anger myself, I mean, in this case, it was, it was kind of obvious because I was 7,000 miles away from the person. I was in the Peace Corps on an island in the remote South Pacific, and the person was in California, and he didn't even know what I was feeling. He had. He he didn't know how angry I was. He didn't know all of what was going on, and and so it was, it was really clear to me that these emotions were hurting me. And they were doing nothing to him, and yet there was that that feeling or that sense of, yeah, I want this to hurt him. I want this to to cause him some kind of pain or suffering. And that was really humbling to see that. To actually see that anger leading to a wish for somebody else to suffer, and in that seeing that, I I felt a real there was an interesting kind of um, sense of understanding the impersonal nature of the the kind of human nature of these emotions. And I had the sense of the feeling of like, wow, you know, this feeling, this anger, this is where wars start. And it was humbling, but it was also, you know, really connecting to recognize that what was happening inside of me was happening inside of everyone. And so seeing that, you know, seeing that was really, really helpful. Was it was the the wisdom, the wisdom of the mindfulness there really pointed itself out to me. And I think in a situation like this with these, these shootings, we can look at our own responses and feel into. How these emotions are affecting us and you know, touching into that when we really touch into them, seeing, yeah, this isn't just about me. This is about how the how humans react with each other, how humans relate to each other. And so we begin to feel or we t- touch into like, this is not a good place to act from. We get, we get that, we have a sense of that. It seems to work this touching into the anger. You know, when I first started practicing, I didn't really understand how it would work to turn my attention to be with something like anger or hatred or any of these really difficult negative emotions. I just thought it would make me more angry or feel more hatred, but it seems to do something. The mindfulness You know, it's like having that friend with you, you know, it gives some space. My sense is it kind of disengages the gears of the the habit or pattern and allows us to feel it without like perpetuating it. And so we also learn the value of this kind of practice, this kind of mindfulness to, to feel into it. We begin to trust that feeling into these difficult emotions, these reactive emotions, doesn't perpetuate them, but actually begins to allow them to, uh, release to, we, we learn about how they affect us, how they affect the world, how they, they, um, are not personal, that they're really the way human beings tend to relate to each other. And so we um, we gain some understanding of how the, how this works, how it begins to let us let go, and also of the suffering that it causes us here and now to have these emotions, the understanding that this is not a good place to act. From. So that's one side of some of the emotions we might feel, that the anger side, the hatred side, the yeah that side of just wanting to annihilate that energy itself of of anger is it's the same as what as what's happening in those events in those in those mass shootings it's It's a similar kind of energy, but then there's also the feelings that we have about those who are harmed the There's a lot of different, as I felt through it, you know, myself, there's, there's different responses. Fear, fear is one kind of response. Confusion is another kind of response. And a big one, a big one is like a feeling of helplessness. Like, what can I do? You know, how, how do I engage? What, what, what do I do? I think these feelings, the feelings of fear, of confusion, of helplessness, all kind of contribute to or are kind of underlying the, 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 the vulnerability that comes with the helplessness too. the, you know, the, there's a, a kind of a truth to that vulnerability. There's no guarantee any one of us is going to live to the end of the day. There's just this inherent vulnerability of being human. And when we really meet this vulnerability and it's kind of brought into our consciousness as these events can do for us, um, I think anger kind of arises from these places. Anger is, is almost like a, a response to the fear, to the confusion, to the, to the helplessness. The hatred is a response to that feeling of helplessness. And, and, and perhaps if we can really land with these feelings, the feeling of fear, the feeling of confusion, the feeling of helplessness, again, with mindfulness. Mindfulness is an amazing teacher for us meeting and and i think too meeting our own fear similarly to meeting our own anger you know there's a way in which we feel or recognize wow this isn't just when we really need it with with that sense of this is what a human being is who's experiencing fear this is what it feels like to be a human being who's experiencing helplessness we recognize that this is a human response and it My experience is it really seems to open the heart to recognize humans respond this way. Meeting our own fear, we kind of touch the fear of others. Meeting our own confusion, we we touch or understand, maybe we understand how others can be confused. Meeting vulnerability, meeting helplessness. In our in ourselves, we understand. Wow, this 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 is hard. When people feel this way, it's really hard. And so it begins to open us to the quality of compassion. To open to our own feelings, the anger as well as all of the the kind of perhaps deeper underlying feelings that are under the anger. It. It seems to support an opening to recognizing that this is a human condition. These are human feelings and human beings in this situation feel these things. It's not, it's not, it's not directly about me. It's kind of more an expression of humanity. And that, that kind of recognition that these feelings are not just happening in me. I mean, we can re- recognize th- these feelings that I'm, I'm talking about are really shared by a lot of us right now. Especially, especially the people who have been directly touched by the deaths. So much, so much suffering, so much pain, so much heartbreak. So the compassion side of things, you know, compassion comes, I think, with some wisdom. Wisdom, I feel like the, the mindfulness practice is a wisdom practice. It's asking us to really explore what is your human experience, and it begins to help us to see experience, not as just about me, but more as related to causes and conditions, not personal and seeing how causes and conditions affect everyone. This opens our heart to this quality of heartbreak when we touch suffering, the, the word um, compassion, the word um, Sometimes it's described, the feeling is described as a quivering in the heart when suffering is met. And that feeling to me, it's like, kind of is like a bowl of jello. It's not hard. It's not rigid. It's like a bowl of jello that like if you bump into it, it's going to shake. You know, the least little touch of a bowl of jello is going to make it quiver. And that's kind of how the heart feels. It doesn't feel rigid. It doesn't feel constricted. When, when the, the world, the resonances of the world, touch a heart that is not constricted, it resonates it, in empathy. It, it resonates with, if there's suffering, it resonates with compassion. If there's beautiful things happening, it resonates with joy. So compassion has this quivering feeling, this quivering of the heart. And it also comes with a a wish to engage, a wish to alleviate suffering, a wish to act in some way. So compassion, when we touch into that feeling, it has a, a kind of a call to action, a movement of the heart to want to do something. And this may feel this may be partly why the helpless quality comes, because we don't know what to do sometimes. But we feel like we want to do something. And so, you know, I think there's different expressions. There's different expressions of compassion. There can be really individual expressions of compassion and and I would just like to encourage you to reflect on you know what what feels like an expression of compassion for you maybe in you know in various situations it's it's going to be different in in this situation with the shootings for some it may be um, a response with activism or political or social expression for some it may be more personal um, supporting those who are suffering. for some it may they may feel called to to look and understand more fully deeply inside of their own patterns and habits of of, of hatred and anger. So the teachings point us to look inside. And I feel like the looking inside allows us to find our way to a heart that's less constricted and to be able to act. And that action, you know, doesn't have to look any, any one way. We can really, um, I think honor what our, what our, um, own, personal expression of that compassion might be. And I think it's it's perhaps a little bit of, um, maybe, maybe exploration to not pick up what others maybe think it should be for us, but to really look in our own hearts what is the movement or expression of compassion from this being because i think i think we need a lot of different expressions of compassion for the suffering in this world not just certain kinds and we we don't know sometimes what you know what the responses or what the ripples will be of of our own expressions of compassion, the, the 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 way we might end up touching someone else who touches someone else who touches someone else. So I think it's it's worth really finding that that resonance in us. What is, what is this part, What is this being's expression of compassion in this situation? Those are, those are some of my thoughts. I'm curious, curious what your, some of your thoughts are, maybe in response to what I've offered or anything that's up for you. great,
1: sorry, but I think Barbara muted herself too oh, sorry, I didn't
2: notice that Barbara,
0: please you go first
1: okay, okay um, hello, everybody um yeah, I think just a couple of things I think i've i um I realize this is pretty hard it's hard. I thought, um. not just one day hard, two days hard, but it's really just hard. I, th- I think I'm just feeling into this deep grief and realizing that because I think after the first day, I thought, okay, I'm just going to rest. This is hard. I'm giving myself a chance to rest, 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 because just there's a lot of hurt. And then there was a lot of restlessness, not just this but other parts of my life just felt just really restless and dissatisfaction and and I realized there was a wanting to move beyond this but I'm not ready yet I kind of still just this is much just a deep grief and so when I realized that it's it's sort of like what Andrea was saying this the mindful awareness of that allows a, a sort of aligning with this is hard it's this is really hard So so be with it again. Don't be so quick to wanna, I could like, okay, this and that kind of thing. It's like, oh, and once that lining happens with awareness, then there's a, it's still hard, but there's a certain relaxation of the body, like, this is where I need to be, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. That speaks to kind of, to me, that resonates with what I brought in in the guided meditation, neither tarrying nor hurrying, you know, not rushing past. Something you know, not giving, not thinking, like you know, I should be done with this by now or something. You know, it's like that would be rushing past. So it's it's kind of an interesting, delicate balance between neither tarrying nor hurrying. Not to like wallow in it, but also to really give it its due. You know, to feel it, to to let the 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 process of these emotions. You know, they 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 have an expression, and I think you know it can take time. And there's a lot of other things. I mean, like, you know, I was also reflecting on the whole underlying background of the invasion of Ukraine. That is like, you know, that's a big thing, too. You know, the whole, the whole, um, that's kind of up, seeing all of that. So, you know, it's like, there's a there's a lot happening right now. Yeah. And I think to think we should be able to get over it or to get on with it. Yeah. I think honoring, honoring is the word that comes up for me, honoring what we are feeling. If we can find our way to some extent with the holding of the rage, you know, it's like the, the sinking into the rage is, yeah, I mean, that, that's where that urge comes from, the annihilation urge comes from. Entering into Buddhist practice means checking in, you know, really opening fully to what is here in the human condition. It's not stepping away from it, but it's opening fully to it in a completely different way. And it's hard. It's hard to open to this kind of rage with, without getting sunk into it. And so there's, a, there's, some, there's some skill to it. And and if, you know, if we could potentially, and I do believe, I do believe that modeling that is valuable, you know, that, that having people who can hold that possibility is valuable, that maybe that too would be contagious, like anger and hatred are contagious, maybe the capacity to hold it would also be to hold it and to understand from it and to, to recognize That that's not a place to act from, that that might also be contagious.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Daniel commented. I'll just is it is it. I hope it's okay, Daniel, if I share your your comment. Thank you. Yeah, I live in China. It's not. It's eleven thirty a.m. on Friday. My apartment overlooks a kindergarten. I can hear the kids playing. I've never seen these kills do, kids do a drill for an active shooter. Wow, that's you know that's something that has been happening here for ten ten years or more. You know, just the the, the pain of that uh, in this country.
0: Okay, Barbara. <laughs> so my inquiry started just like you were talking in the in the setting the the early setting and the terror or or hurry and what actually what came up that I even wanted to ask you earlier is I'm looking at the wall because that's where I was sitting. <laughs> um, that I was feeling sort of something like clear for a long time. And then all of a sudden, my consciousness just shifted. And I realized that, okay, here's another layer of consciousness. And neither were good or bad, but it, It was a different point of view. And it was like, it's so interesting how we can think we're clear and balanced. And then something, even not even a thought that you're aware of, shifts, and you're what you thought was clear and balanced is not. It's something else. Or it's just that you have, you have so many layers of consciousness or, or options of being human that any point of view is actually a point of view. <laughs> it is, it's, and that I mean, talk about in terms of the the shooting. My first thought was clearly it's it's a, a mental illness thing and it, that's what keeps happening and to me it's as a result of the bickering in politics it's just going to everything so it's easier to think about that intellectually or or think that i can i know what to do but actually <laughs> when i notice that my own consciousness isn't as, as stable as I think it is. (laughs) It's like,
2: yeah. I mean, I think it's really useful to look at views, to look at what we're holding as a perspective. Um, not that, I mean, it's, it's not to, to just say everything is, is relative. I mean, the Buddha pointed to, um, you know, that, that there are certain views that are useful to hold. And like, you know, ethical conduct is, is useful. (laughs) Um, Non-harming is, is a useful perspective. Um, And, and yet understanding that this is, you know, and and his perspective, basically the, the right view of the path is basically what will lead us to suffering and what will lead us to more ease and peace. And yet it's a, it's a view that we start with Mm -hmm. and then, um, you know the the, the recognition of um, yeah when I engage and we feel it too when we feel into the experience um, we feel that acting from hatred acting from anger harms us and creates harm externally and so we 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 feel that that's not helpful and so it's 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 like the view that we start with. I mean, these aren't these aren't views about politics so much. This is more views about how the human mind works. Um, but we start with a kind of understanding there and then begin to understand in our direct experience how that um, that view actually supports us moving away from the, the clinging, moving away from the suffering, moving towards more ease and peace in our own hearts and in others. You know, the 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 connection there that, you know, the more we cultivate that um, reduction of greed, aversion, and delusion in our own hearts, the more it um, ripples out to, to support others. So there's, there are some, I mean, I wouldn't say that all views are are kind of, uh, it's not, it's not that, that holding views or having views is, is useless, you know, so uh, but I think it's useful to recognize what perspective are we coming from? And is that perspective limiting us? Um the, I think the the perspective of the Buddha there is it's really um helping us to see. I mean, really the view, the, the view the Buddha is pointing to is a view that helps us to understand that our perspectives limit us. So <laughs> it's kind of an interesting um you know, a, a, a view that helps us to see the limitation of views, essentially. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Barbara.
0: And I I appreciate, Daniel, what you brought in about your community. And it's like. I mean, here you I, I think of. China is being more rigid and yet these children are feeling much more secure from what I'm understanding.
2: Yeah. And and Daniel let me know his mic isn't working so he can't unmute oh. and <laughs> talk with us. <laughs> so so yeah. Yeah, I mean the different perspectives, right? Different perspectives. Yeah.
1: So what is can I ask, what is safety in a time like this? Again, I'm speaking from a parent. I don't want to mislead it is un, right? That like gets don't want to say, yeah, everything's okay. It's not okay. It's
2: not okay. Right. Yeah, it's not. And 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 that's something, I mean, this is an interesting kind of to me this comes back to um this deep wish for our safety, our well-being, our happiness, that's a meta-wish, you know, that's a wish of the heart. And it runs up against, that deep wish runs up against the unreliable nature of the world. The fact that we are really vulnerable as human beings, that people do these things to each other and you know so this is this is a truth that vulnerability that unreliability of experience the nature of experience to 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 be the not the way we want it to be you know that there's a truth there and and there's something of you know these two things you know the 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 deep wish for well-being and the truths impermanent, unreliable, uncontrollable, vulnerable. We don't understand quite how these um, can coexist. You know, so they get tangled up, they get tangled up with hatred and anger and fear and confusion and helplessness. And we feel like, sometimes we feel like, well, you know, either these, these truths are true, you know, either there's this vulnerability Uh, Or, you know, this wish for well-being is is valid, but these both can't be true or valid. And so our minds, like, get those all tangled up. And it's hard for us to understand that there is a perspective in which they're both valid. You know, that the wish for safety is valid. That's a meta-wish. So, you know, it's not what is safety, you know, I don't I don't know that I mean the the truth of unreliability is there's not an ultimate safety. You know, there's not I mean we are all going to die. There's not an ultimate safety. And yet that doesn't make the wish for safety and the actions that we can take to support ourselves, to take care of ourselves. It doesn't make those invalid. So there's a it's an interesting kind of paradox almost to explore the possibility that our heart can hold both of these. And there's a way that mindfulness can help us to navigate both the understanding of the vulnerability and the wish for safety and not get tangled up, not get tied up in knots, but instead like, you know, have Have the the knot untangle you know we we think what we need to do is to to take you know cut the knot out, get rid of the knot, and like take the scissors and cut the knot out, but then we end up with a hole in the cloth and and what can happen with mindfulness it feels like to me that the mindfulness somehow untangles the tangle and leaves the threads woven mm. so that there's a mm. you know a stronger place that we 're from. And it's it's an exploration, you know, I, I don't really have the answer except to say that I really trust the process of holding both, not denying that wish for safety, you know, to not not push that down, to really connect with that, to feel into the meta wish for that, the compassion wish for that, and recognize and it's an and situation, you know, and there is vulnerability.
0: When I hear the way you share the Dharma, the options, the teaching of how to be more wholesome, it really, it feels a little bit more easy to digest. And for this young mother, it seems like the teachings of the Dharma is is both the most responsible path and it's very challenging. I mean, it's, it's uh, many college courses.
2: (laughs) It's, it's very challenging to, um, come from this perspective that the Buddha talked about swimming against the stream. You know, the, the stream is, you know, carrying us in the direction of, uh, all the habitual patterns that we we tend to to do so you know the the this this path is it's it's challenging it's very challenging and yet and yet you know the the taste that you get of this path early on i mean you know really early on in my practice the taste that i got of oh there's actually a path here there's this way feels like more ease and peace you know that 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 the, the dharma is sometimes said to be good in the beginning good in the middle good in the end and i think we do get a taste pretty quickly that um yeah that that the value of this path even when it's hard we feel it's a better way than staying caught up in the way we had been engaging. So we feel think,
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like two things that come up as you talk is the the reliability of truth, of what's real here right now. Just like I said earlier, right now, there's just this deep grief and to deny that to want to, because it's painful and you know, I wanna move, it doesn't, it can't move, you can't move away from that truth. So similarly, like the truth of this unreliability, things change. This is a fragility of being human, growing up with this truth. It's really important to know that and and understand, and perhaps as we grow, we develop the capacity to be with that and the pains of that without annihilating, without running away from it, without making anything other than what it is. Exactly. And there's something very, be- so the, that's one way like, the truth of things, that how things are, is really something really beautiful in Buddhism that, can, that we can count on, right? The reality of things. And then the other one is that's coming up—just love, right? Care, compassion—that that doesn't go away because of how hard things are either. Right. Like at the end of it, there is just this—you know, yeah. There is this love, this care, like this for things to be better, no matter how hard. Yes, I still want things to be. I want people to be well and, and happy, and, yeah. and
2: that feeling is so nourishing when we connect it and really, really feel into it, it is so nourishing to connect with that care. Mm. I think it's like some of the lubricant (laughs) that helps us to get through things. Yeah.